Hi everyone, I have my lovely friend Jamila here. She's a financial advisor and she's here to talk to us about how um, financial literacy can reduce anxiety. So thank you Jamila for being here with me today. Thank you so much Emory for this opportunity to share your awesome platform. I'm so excited with the work that you've been doing and also with the leadership to start this business. I, before I even get going, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that we are hosting this, at least on my end, I'm currently in what we know today as Victoria, but it's an unceded coastless territory. And I'm just so grateful because I'm able to do this work, to live, to learn uh, and be here. And so a little bit on my background, I actually came from the Dominican Republic about six years ago. And that's pretty, I mean, a lot of people didn't know where that was, you know, when I was in university. So if you don't know, it's in the Caribbean. And if you think about uh, even like a lot of people go on vacation there, it's right next to Haiti. A lot of people go on vacation there near Miami as well. And really the reason I wanted to come to Canada to begin with was because I wanted to provide my family with a better future. And so I work really hard, you know, it's kind of like one of the stories where it's like, how are you going to do it? And as you know, university for international students is so freaking expensive and even for domestic students. And that's why I think there's such a big student debt crisis where I was just looking at the numbers in Canada and I noticed that there's actually, you know, only in Canada, there's about a billion dollars in student loan debt. In the US is actually over a trillion dollars in student loan debt, mm -hmm. but of course, I didn't know that coming here. I always thought it was going to be kind of like a, a beautiful thing. And it has been. And so basically what happened, I came for biology and I did an honors degree, came with a scholarship that really helped me. But uh, on the other end of things, even though I was studying science, I always found myself in the community. And that's how I met you because I was going to the interfaith chapel a lot. But, you know, going to with international student services and volunteering with uh, I even tried, you know, removing invasive plant species, just whatever I could find to help because it really built that sense of um, community that I feel a lot of us are lacking and that we need. It's not, I don't even think that a sense of community needed is for one culture specifically. It's something that we universal as beings need and are connected to as well. And so, you know, going to university, completing my honors, it was a mess. Mental health wise, it was a mess, but graduated. And then I realized too that for me to be able to live the life I actually wanted, I couldn't just do it with a job because my parents, you know, I want to bring them still. But what was I going to bring them to? Was I going to bring them maybe to do some, um, you know, go work at a pharmacy, which is, I completely respect, but the reason I bring it up is because both of my parents are professionals back home, but their degrees are not going to translate to life here. Even though they have a lot of experience, you know, their degrees are usually not recognized. And so am I going to take my parents out of what they know to put them in a position where maybe they don't feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. So we realized that I needed to get my own stuff in order and I needed to really understand how can we as a family uh, come here not to struggle, but to really to thrive and not to live in survival mode, but to actually experience life. Like, you know, a lot of people leave their countries and the, uh, you know, it's always a struggle, a struggle and a fight. And I didn't want that for my family or for myself. That is such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing, Jamila. That I, I resonate with so much with what you're saying. Um, 
Um, first of all, I'd also like to acknowledge that um, I'm hosting this on student territories in Houston, BC. So thank you again for the land acknowledgement that you introduced us with. Um, and as you said, I've known you for a few years now. Uh, Jamila and I met at the Interfaith Chapel, we became really fast friends and it's been so exciting to see your journey and your business grow and I'm, I am, I am overwhelmed with already with what you said on just that that clarity of um, as like former um, former university students and um, the stress and anxiety that comes with the financial debt and our desire I think as 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 people and I know you just said for yourself to take care of our family um, to and and the um, what's the word I'm looking for perhaps the controversy in um, when when you're an immigrant to Canada and not having skills transfer over I think and and to be able to create that financial stability. I think it's really important that um, the work that you're doing so that everyone can be educated on financial literacy for North America so that they can take advantage of um, the, the resources and everything that's out there so that they can create the wealth um, they want to generate so they can take care of their family, they can create the life and freedom that they want. And so thank you for the work that you're doing. This is very, very incredible. Thank you, Emery. And the other thing I think it's important to acknowledge, like when it comes to, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Mm -hmm. Like I bet that if you thought about maybe a person that looks like they're living a wealthy lifestyle, but most likely are carrying a lot of debt, or maybe people in our own families that we know that maybe, you know, they, they are, they have the newest car or they just bought a house, but how many people are actually living with debt mm -hmm. and are not necessarily financially free? Or are not necessarily wealthy because usually what i noticed ended up happening is that the more money we made also our lifestyle increased meaning we ended up getting into more debt more expenses and so this cycle of i need to work to make money to pay for my debt so i need to work to make money to pay for my debt kind of becomes like i like to even call it the new form of slavery mm -hmm. and it's a strong term to say it that way but Maybe it's not as strong for us because we're younger and we haven't been in that cycle long enough. But for someone who's been in that cycle for 30 years, 40 years, and then it's reaching retirement and now they don't even have enough funds saved for their retirement. Well, yeah, that has been a slavery their whole life mm -hmm. without maybe even realizing it. And then we have things that, you know, even from the way I believe our education is set up, we are so taught to be a certain way and to think a certain way to you know, be okay with that because that's just what the majority of people do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the story for everyone. And so it's kind of like a shock for me. It's like, are you telling me that's just what people do? You work till 65 so that you can save enough money so you can retire for the last 20 years or maybe you don't even have enough energy or, you know, there's so many other things that you could have done before. And now most of your life went where? Part of our life is spent sleeping and then we are working. And so what time do we leave to actually do maybe more meaningful things or things that bring really change in our communities, like community gatherings, communal uh, communal care, which take time, but now we don't have it because we're in this cycle. Absolutely. It sounds like, would you say um, sort of the difference in the def def definition of like financial wealth versus being rich is, a finance, uh, rich is only attached to the sense of the, the amount of money you have um, and again it doesn't address also the debt that's there and that you're trying to pay off whereas with financial wealth is is being able to create to reduce that debt so you can free up your time 
and um, free up um, free up your time and increase your fi yeah financial wealth so that you can have freedom to do those those projects that you're passionate about or or spend time with your family and all those things are very important to you. Would you say that's probably uh, an accurate description? Awesome. And then now you know that's a clear link to anxiety because we all know that too much of one thing is not going to be healthy for our bodies. Mm -hmm. And then not just that, like where does even anxiety come from? Does it come from fear? Does it come from feeling like we're out of control? Mm -hmm. Maybe. And those are all things that happen, you know, as a result of also feeling like we don't have control of our personal finances, of our future and where things are going. And so it is interesting for me that the idea that is sold to us of you know, living here is that we are going to get a job. We're going to be so happy. We're going to you know, be with our families. But the real life that most people are, are living is actually quite much more scarier. It became very apparent, I think, with this COVID-19 crisis, because when people were laid off, they really realized, like, we don't even have an emergency fund. Like, mm -hmm. we have the proper insurance so that if something happens to me, my family is well protected. Or I don't even have a will in place. So legally, everything I work for stays within my family instead of going maybe towards the government. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's not even a matter of being revolutionary. I think it's just a matter of where our priorities are and where we've pushed as a, as a society, where we've been pushed maybe to a corner where this is a life we know, but it doesn't necessarily is the only way of living. That's a very elegant way to, to put that. I, I'm, I'm processing everything you said, especially um, like, you, like you mentioned that fear and like anxiety is connected to our fear and worrying over something and usually we worry about things in the future and so especially when it comes to our financial wealth and our financial well-being um, when we work every day to to be able to reduce our debt and to create that it is amazing to see um, how um, as you said it can create more worry as as debt accumulates or as we our lifestyles change and so it's amazing, I think, what you're, what you offer um, with the financial literacy campaign and the work that you do to be able to help people prioritize um, and see what's important and how can you guys, and how can you help create that for them by reducing their debt, by freeing up more time, by making. Um, I know we've talked about this before, making the money work as hard as they're working. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you for when you summarize everything, it just sounds so well, so organized, like you're clearly getting the points. I'm so excited. Thank you. Um, I did have like a list of, um, of some questions. I just want to make sure there's so you have so much uh, to share and offers. I want to make sure um, I'm asking everything that I can so um, everyone watching can get as much value. And also we just wanted to say um, before I continue that if you have any questions for Jamila, please put them in the chat. We are keeping um, our eyes on it. Hi, Shoya. Um, and we'll, uh, Jamila would be happy to answer any questions that you have. We'll do that at the end um, of uh, the interview process. Well, I'll just ask Jamila a few more questions. And um, at the end of the, our interview as well, um, we'll let you know how you can uh, contact Jamila if you have any questions on um, financial literacy and how to reduce your debt and make your money work as hard as you are and create the wealth that you want in life so you can have the freedom to do, uh, to take care of your family, to do the projects you're passionate about, to, to have that freedom um, for what you feel so called to do here. Awesome. 
Um, I, I would love to get a little bit more deeper. Um, I think you shared it quite beautifully and I want um, right at the beginning of the call, I'd just love to get a little bit deeper into your journey of becoming a financial advisor. Um, when, what was uh, the, you, you were talking about how after you graduated um, and it sounded like the epiphany came there shortly after you had graduated where you realized that you wanted to go into the direction of financial literacy and becoming an advisor. Could you speak more to that epiphany you had? Yeah, absolutely. So when I graduated, uh, the first thing I think in my co-ops, before I even graduated, I actually joined the co-op program. And I did jobs, not necessarily purely in bio, because I wanted to learn in areas that I just didn't have a lot of experience. So I really went into education. I did a lot of work in hands-on STEM education, youth programming. I also did work in research, did in marketing as well as working for the university. And so I had different things that I had tried and of everything, what I had loved the most was education and not just education. I believe like, you know, a lot of people ask like, what is the specific thing you want to do? I knew that what I wanted to do had to do with helping people. And so there's so many things that fall under that category. Like I could have even been a doctor as long mm -hmm. as I'm helping people, it'd be fine. So I think, you know, take out the pressure of being one specific thing to begin with. Mm -hmm. But it just went in that I was working for a beautiful non-for-profit organization that I absolutely love and I love their mission and vision. But when it came to my personal finances, I was actually falling in debt because even though I was a coordinator, I just wasn't really taking care of my personal finances. I was like, you know, I had bought a car and I was going to work. And things that seem very trivial and simple were like, oh, it's just, you know, I wanted to buy my mom a gift, but that meant actually getting in debt because I couldn't pay it with my monthly paycheck. So I was literally living paycheck to paycheck, which in fact, a lot of people do. And again, I don't even, you know, there's statistics that show us how many, but about now 54% of Canadians are only $200 away of being in debt because mm -hmm. every month when they get their paycheck, there's only that little bit of room that they can keep in case there's an emergency. And even then people don't have the habit of saving it. They, they spend it. So an emergency comes and it's like, well, you get in debt right away. Emergency like what? You know, your car breaks down. Like my car, I find out I have to change the oil quite often and all these things I didn't plan for. Or gas being so expensive. And so I actually have always been entrepreneurial as well. And I think entrepreneurship it doesn't even come with me saying, oh, I'm a business owner. It just came from the fact that I was naturally also inclined towards not being afraid to try things out, to not being afraid of like even going to a different field. And that's something that, you know, you don't need to be a business owner to be an entrepreneur. It really more, it has to do more with your mindset and how you approach situations and problems. And so when my problem was like, I'm not making enough money. Well, it was like you either get another job so, or maybe I start a business on the side where over the long term is going to generate me more income and hence I can buy back my time. So here's the difference in mentality because it was so easy for me to actually choose a job first because I am taught that that's what I'm aiming for. You see, I go to university so I can get a good job. We are literally from the way we're going through, you know, if you did bio, if you did anything like programming, you're just literally following step by step. But how often do you actually write those steps? I guess if you're coding, you're writing your own steps. <laughs> so let's exclude that one. But we're not taught to think uh, of, uh, of something greater than that. You see, 
I was talking to a friend and she said, when we're in university, uh, we make an app so that we can get a grade, not so we can create something that's going to maybe revolutionize the industry or that's going to turn into a business and that can bring us profit. But again, it just leads to being an employer. And when you're an, sorry, an employee, and when you're an employee, you get paid by the position, not by the person. So it doesn't matter if at the same position, I'm doing way much more work than somebody else, or if my circumstances make it more difficult for me to even make it to work in certain days, because at the end of the day, I'm going to get paid the same. And Absolutely. so that, that was a big like realization for me where it was like, well, even if I get paid a little bit at first, I'm just going to start with something that can help me make more income. And I was actually interviewing people. I started interviewing people and asking interview, you know, my dental hygienist, literally I was leaning towards that. It was like an eight month program. And I was like, yo, in like 40 years, I can make $50 an hour. That looks better than bio right now. So basically this led me also to the other realization. You see, I can love something. I can love learning about biology and I can love working with animals and stuff, but doesn't mean I have to make money off it. Mm -hmm. It just means that it can be a passion for me. But can I look at areas where there's a need, an actual need that, you know, there's a guarantee that if I get into this area, I will be financially free and I can put my own twist and I can do it my own way. Now, there came the next challenge. Working for an institution wasn't really going to leave me with the option of me bringing my own twist of me, you know, maybe creating things the way I wanted to see them. So business ownership was the only solution. So in my interviews, the only people who had a life similar to what I wanted were people in the financial industry. And so, you know, they had and, and their values, you know, they were spending time with their family. They were doing so many things. And I was like, well, how do you do that? And they literally laid down a business plan that I could follow. And I said, oh, so you mean I need to get licensed in the province so I can be uh, in the financial industry? However, I don't really like selling or what my idea was of selling because I also learned we're always constantly selling ourselves. Yeah. Like when I write a resume or a cover letter, I'm literally selling myself to that employer. So it's just about how we see it. So I just, you know, started going through this blueprint and process that I needed to follow to work in the industry and more specifically in a way that I felt comfortable. And how was that? It actually became, um, you know, it came to my attention. I found this beautiful organization that was, or that is a social enterprise. And they have a combination of a nonprofit model together with a profitable business model. And what I learned from them is that, you know what, if we approach it really with a model of servitude, of serving the community, of educating and really, you know, bringing good to the community, only good is gonna come back. Mm -hmm. And that's when I joined the financial literacy campaign. And I said, I also want to advocate for financial literacy. So I joined a group of people some of them are advisors, some of them are not. And they're all part of this huge community where our main focus is personal development, financial education, entrepreneurship, and really solidarity among different communities, among different cultures, understanding that we all, financial literacy is like the first step in us gaining our financial freedom. Mm. That's, oh. how it all, that's the whole backstory. Beautiful. Oh, so many incredible milestones and so much um, from what you've shared, like um, hitting all of these very important value systems within you, like like you said about that, that impact you're creating to help others so that they can also help serve the, the world in their way. Um, and 
and um, um, by by freeing up your financial um, debt and freeing up and um, being able to give those needs, that's saying, oh wow, I'm that I'm just absorbing everything you've shared. That is incredible. Um, I had a couple questions even within there, and I've already. I think you're just so beautiful at telling your story. I'm like, wow, you've 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 freed up all those questions for me. Um, uh, I was, you were talking about um, also uh, the conflict of um, when you start when well first of all I just want to say I think what you shared about um, that ability to see like it doesn't matter what type of job I do it needs um, it's important about the impact that you're going to create and I, and I love that you said um, you talked about entrepreneurship and uh, the word entrepreneur comes from to problem solve. And, and I feel like the work that you're doing, um, especially for financial literacy, is problem solving, helping people um, solve the problems of what's holding um, them back from creating the wealth that they need so that they can serve other people and have a bigger impact. And, and, and as you said, like that is, again, like it's already reinforced in the organization and in the work that you're doing. You are um, creating that within there as well. And I think that's really inspiring and really incredible. You also talked about, I thought it was really powerful um, what you shared too, um, this idea of selling and and how um, really it's serving people. And, and as you said, to um, when, um, when, when we write a resume and we, we present that to employer it's not it's not that we're, we're, we're all we're selling ourselves we're telling our story of our here's um what i have done here is what i'm passionate about here is how i want to serve and help people here's how i think i can do this for your your company i think in in my opinion i think when um when you do the work that you do and you can sell yourself to well enough so that people understand that it is coming from the place of being able to serve as many people as possible, then you change the whole world. And I am so, so inspired and so grateful that you are um, overcoming um, all those, any obstacles and shifting um, and growing your perspectives to be able to be, uh, to be able to help all the people that you do. Uh, I want to ask more like, what, um, were there any other, as, as soon as you made that decision, um, and as you said, amazing that you interviewed so many people and we're like, okay, like what a beautiful process to go like, I'm going to interview all these people and I'm going to see which is in most alignment with my values and my goals, and 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 it's led you to the work that you do now. Um, so 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 amazing. Um, so when you when you got that realization of okay, financial literacy is the way I want to go. I want to I want to know like what were some other obstacles um, that came up for you in in making um, was it through getting your license or doing the work that you do and. And how have you ever overcome them to the achievements and the transformation that you've received now? So that's that's a pretty good question. So actually, you know, getting a license is as easy as studying. If I can study for a bio exam and pass it, I can pass my licensing exam. And so it's literally something that anybody can do with the support. But my challenges came more with working with my community because I'm very much, you know, I'm in the black community and in the indigenous community, newcomer community. And what I realized through the process is that the moment I approach somebody talking to them about like, hey, we need to learn how money works. Usually it takes a great, maybe a great negative experience or a great struggle for people to realize that they need to do that. That it's not necessarily like, you know what, it's not a privilege. It's like, you need to, 
it'd be a privilege if you come from, a, and I've met people like that, where literally it is a privilege. You get to learn because your parents, if you want to, but maybe your parents still manage your money. And maybe you come from a wealthy family where uh, you're, again, like, because of way things have been worked out, you already have plans in place. You already have your protection that you need. Your family is secure if there's any emergency. But for most people, which is actually most of, of Canadians, somehow their relationship with money and with financial institutions is so messed up. And mm -hmm. in a way that continues to benefit people who do have it said the right way. It's interesting. It's like, you know, somebody, you know, a lot of people argue, oh, how do we eradicate poverty? And they say, well, give money to everybody who is at the bottom. Give money to the poor people. And I used to think that way. Like, why don't we just give money to, to the people who are struggling the most? But then I realized after looking at what are those spending habits that the people have, it didn't matter whether you give them money or not. Whatever cash flow they had was always going to end up going back to the same people who gave them the money. Right. Which happens right. to be maybe like the business owners or, or the owners of like the even bigger corporations because our financial habits were so ingrained with even how we grew up with our relationship and it's like people are living in this mist and so my challenge came from asking myself and I'm still going through this it's how do I work with communities that have been so harmed maybe by even the same system mm -hmm. and where they have a good relationship with money mm -hmm. and then even this bad relationship leads them to being in that same cycle of misinformation of other organizations taking advantage of them and so, you know, I've been called like, oh, you support capitalism. It's like, well, are you a communist? Are you a socialist? And then they're like, no, no. It's like, we live in a capitalist society. Um, however, if you take out the people from the corporations, is the corporation going to run on its own? No, it needs people. But what if you change the people that run those corporations? What if you change the value that they operate on? And so it was more about, you know, and even then, regardless, people were still supporting those corporations so it, it's a really a lot of conflict within the community itself that yeah. I think. and so for example a lot of anti anti-corporation anti-capitalism belief when people don't even understand how corporations and their own work it's like you know somebody might hate a company but you got to realize that company is run by people who maybe set of values are the ones who are making those decisions and wow. then to push for that to be dismantled and change yeah. like it's uh, the same. Yes, I just want to um, take a moment, um, pause right there for a second. Like, just, uh, just very incredible. I, I think, uh, I think what you're saying to come back to remember that we're we're humans and we're in, and we're in, and we all um, have. So I'm, I'm so I'm so overwhelmed by by what you said. I think you're absolutely right. Like when there's, it's sometimes I think easy for us to look at. A corporation or an entity, and and um, and almost too easily put a lot of projections of negativity or um, hate or or um, disagreement to it. And you know, um, those can be valid for individuals and and how and those are people's opinions. But I think you're absolutely bringing up a very important point that within those entities and corporations, it, it comes down to people. People are people, and and deserve to be educated. To deserve to have the resources and deserve to learn how they can best, um, uh, like you said, um, with us when systems say, "Here's how we should do things." Um, it's it's so great 
especially like when it comes to the way we save our money or the way we spend our money, it's great that um, there's organizations uh, like yours and the work that you're doing that can come and say, well, is this the best thing that works for you? Let's see, let's, let's excavate that and examine that. Um, it kind of reminds me, maybe this is a bit simplified, but it reminds me of what my mom would say about, um, it is better to teach someone to learn how to fish than to give them the fish. And I think that's um, a lot of uh, what I believe you're, you're saying. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, I think you, we've gone through all the questions that I had for you, Jamila. Is there anything else that you want to say? And I'm going to leave uh, the chat still open if anybody has any questions for you. Um, yeah. I can tell you, like, we can continue the conversation for a bit. And anybody feel free to ask us questions. Something that I had actually searched and I wanted to share because we are talking about anxiety as well is, you know, I was actually looking at some stats right before this. And uh, one of the stats that to me was alarming, I always like to, I don't always like to bring this up, but I said, but one of those things that really scared me, retirees worldwide will outlive their savings by a decade and women will fare worse. And this was a report that came out from the World Economic Forum and they were actually comparing the economy in huge countries like you got Japan, Canada, Australia, the UK, United States, and in all of this as well. Uh, usually, for various reasons, there's always women who fare worse financially. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's cases where because men tend to live long, uh, shorter than their wives or their partners tend to be left without any care. If you put like, I'm just speaking about women and men because usually they just focus reports on that. But if you go to maybe a community that might be even more affected by certain issues, like go maybe to the black community, to an indigenous community, the LGBTQ community. And so if women are affected that way, then what about those communities? And then when we say about retirement, I always like to bring it up. It's like some people say, oh, I'll work through my retirement. But realistically, we also got to look at how even our current lifestyle is linked to our health. Like if we continue living, you know, anxiety and stress, they end up producing more, leading to more stress hormones. You sleep less. Your life expectancy literally deteriorates. And that is, again, it's a self-destructive cycle. Now, is money a part of this? Well, look at divorces. What percentage of divorces are because of financial financial problems within a family? And so... When it comes to money and well-being, there's so many things that are tied together. And uh, I just always like to bring it because I feel maybe we don't make those connections or maybe we feel like because of, of money, actually, you know, money on its own, I like to say it's not bad, is when people seek that as a means of power and they put other people down so that they can gain that power. That's the challenge. Absolutely. I think, and uh, following with that thought, it, it can't, like you said, it money could is a sense of is a source of good as well because if you are taking that and putting that towards creating an impact, creating a change, the world is better for that. That's, thank you for sharing those statistics and yeah, bringing a bit more information on on the importance of having financial literacy, uh, not only just to reduce anxiety but to be able to create that the freedom that we all are working towards. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and I think I haven't seen any questions. So um, how can people contact you? And just to clarify too, like you can um, you can help anyone in Canada and in the U.S., right? 
countries. Yeah, we're working both in Canada and the US. And if it's not me, then it can be like one of my partners, for example, that we're working in the same group as well. So even if somebody is in Toronto or Ottawa, I can absolutely do a financial plan for them, especially now that we're all connecting online. And then in terms of, you know, understanding what do people need. But what I always invite anybody is, can you participate in our workshops, which are offered completely for free? And can you sit down? Can you take notes? Can you learn? Because at the end of the day, it's like we have to choose between Netflix and watching a workshop that can potentially lead you to financial freedom. What will you pick? And so now more than ever, too, I think also because also our generation, we haven't lived through a recession like what we're seeing. But it's not like things are going to get better. And we need that self-reliance. Our family needs that as well. Like if, especially if we come from a family of immigrants where our parents might even be even more disconnected than us to what's happening. I believe it. we have the responsibility for our families as mm -hmm. well and to bring this to the community. So we do have free workshops that are offered online. There's even one today at 5 p.m. BC time. And it's all about building a solid financial foundation. That's an example there. They happen every day of the week, different languages, English, Spanish. You have them in Korean, in Mandarin. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ones. Tagalog, like we have so many people in the community who believe in this too. And so feel free to send me a direct message on Facebook or send me an email. You can find me, like this video is going to be available there. So if you comment, I'm going to be there. And just let me know. I'll send you a link so you can register for one. You can watch it, ask me questions. But, you know, even having this conversation is already a huge step because we're breaking down that stigma that maybe talking about money is only for men. Maybe, you know, talking about money or business is, is like it's only meant to be done in the bank, but it's not. We need to understand what, what are our, you know, what rights do we have? What can we do? And we need to be those people making those decisions for our families. We can't leave it for an institution who doesn't know maybe what we value, you know, making those decisions themselves. That's perfect. Thank you so much for um, sharing and putting that all together. Um, so what I'll do is make sure that people have access to perhaps your Facebook, um, personal Facebook page and your email um, after this video. I'll put it in the captions. Uh, Jamila, I just want to thank you so much again for taking the time to to uh, share the work that you're doing and 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 helping so many so many people. It's been such a it's it's been a pleasure to connect with you in this way. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate this. I really appreciate you creating this space and continue doing interviews with people because I feel we need to share those voices as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, I'm gonna end the live um, interview here. Thank you everyone for watching and. Uh, Please follow uh, my Facebook page as well for more interviews on how to reduce stress, anxiety, depression. And don't forget at the end, I will um, also have in here how you can contact Jamila to um, access those free workshops. Awesome. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, everyone. I have my lovely friend Jamila here. She is a financial advisor and she is here to talk to us about how um, financial literacy can reduce anxiety. So thank you, Jamila, for being here with me today. Thank you so much, Emory, for this opportunity to share your awesome platform. I'm so excited with the work that you've been doing and also with the leadership to start this business. I, before I even get going, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that we are hosting this, at least on my end. I'm currently in what we know today as Victoria, but it's an unceded 
Coast Salish territory. And I'm just so grateful because I'm able to do this work, to live, to learn uh, and be here. And so a little bit on my background, I actually came from the Dominican Republic about six years ago. And that's pretty, I mean, a lot of people didn't know where that was, you know, when I was in university. So if you don't know, it's in the Caribbean. And if you think about uh, even like a lot of people go on vacation there, it's right next to Haiti. A lot of people go on vacation there near Miami as well. And really the reason I wanted to come to Canada to begin with was because I wanted to provide my family with a better future. And so I work really hard, you know, it's kind of like one of the stories where it's like, how are you going to do it? And as you know, university for international students is so freaking expensive and even for domestic students. And that's why I think there's such a big student debt crisis where I was just looking at the numbers in Canada and I noticed that there's actually, you know, only in Canada, there's about a billion dollars in student loan debt. In the US is actually over a trillion dollars in student loan debt, mm -hmm. but of course, I didn't know that coming here. I always thought it was going to be kind of like a, a beautiful thing. And it has been. And so basically what happened, I came for biology and I did an honors degree, came with a scholarship that really helped me. But uh, on the other end of things, even though I was studying science, I always found myself in the community. And that's how I met you because I was going to the interfaith chapel a lot. But, you know, going to with international student services and volunteering with uh, I even tried, you know, removing invasive plant species, just whatever I could find to help because it really built that sense of um, community that I feel a lot of us are lacking and that we need. It's not, I don't even think that a sense of community needed is for one culture specifically. It's something that we universal as beings need and are connected to as well. And so, you know, going to university, completing my honors, it was a mess. Mental health wise, it was a mess, but graduated. And then I realized too that for me to be able to live the life I actually wanted, I couldn't just do it with a job because my parents, you know, I want to bring them still, but what was I going to bring them to? Was I going to bring them maybe to do some, um, you know, go work at a pharmacy, which is, I completely respect, but the reason I bring it up is because both of my parents are professionals back home, but their degrees are not going to translate to life here. Even though they have a lot of experience, you know, their degrees are usually not recognized. And so am I going to take my parents out of what they know to put them in a position where maybe they don't feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. So we realized that I needed to get my own stuff in order and I needed to really understand how can we as a family uh, come here not to struggle, but to really to thrive and not to live in survival mode, but to actually experience life. Like, you know, a lot of people leave their countries and the, you know, it's always a struggle, a struggle and a fight. And I didn't want that for my family or for myself. That is such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing, Jamila. That I, I resonate with so much with what you're saying. Um, um, first of all, I'd also like to acknowledge that um, I'm hosting this on student territories in Houston, BC. So thank you again for the land acknowledgement that you introduced us with. Um, and as you said, I've known you for a few years now. Uh, Jamila and I met at the Interfaith Chapel, we became really fast friends, and it's been so exciting to see your journey and your business grow. And I'm, I am, I am overwhelmed with already with what you said on just that that clarity of. Um, as like former um, former university students and um, the stress and anxiety that comes with the financial debt and our desire, I think as 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 people, and I know you just said for yourself to take care of our family, um, to and and the um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Perhaps the controversy in um, when when you're an immigrant to Canada and not having skills transfer over. I think and and to be able to create that financial stability. I think it's really important that um, the work that you're doing so that everyone can be educated on financial literacy for North America so that they can take advantage of um, the the resources and everything that's out there so that they can create the wealth um, they want to generate so they can take care of their family, they can create the life and freedom that they want. And so thank you for the work that you're doing. This is very, very incredible. Thank you, Emery. And so, the other thing I think it's important to acknowledge, like when it comes to there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Mm -hmm. Like I bet that if you thought about maybe a person that looks like they're living a wealthy lifestyle, but most likely are carrying a lot of debt or maybe people in our own families that we know that maybe, you know, they, they are, they have the newest car or they just bought a house, but how many people are actually living with debt mm -hmm. and are not necessarily financially free or are not necessarily wealthy? Because usually what I noticed ended up happening is that the more money we made, also our lifestyle increased, meaning we ended up getting into more debt, more mm -hmm. expenses. And so this cycle of I need to work to make money to pay for my debt, so I need to work to make money to pay for my debt, kind of becomes like, I like to even call it the new form of slavery. Mm -hmm. And it's a strong term to say it that way, but maybe it's not as strong for us because we're younger and we haven't been in that cycle long enough. But for someone who's been in that cycle for 30 years, 40 years, and then is reaching retirement, and now they don't even have enough funds saved for their retirement, well, yeah, that has been a slavery their whole life mm -hmm. without maybe even realizing it. And then we have things that, you know, even from the way I believe our education is set up, we are so taught to be a certain way and to think a certain way to, you know, be okay with that because that's just what the majority of people do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the story for everyone. And so it's kind of like a shock for me. It's like, are you telling me that's just what people do? You work till 65 so that you can save enough money so you can retire for the last 20 years, or maybe you don't even have enough energy, or you know, there's so many other things that you could have done before, and now most of your life went where? Part of our life is spent sleeping, and then we are working, and so what time do we leave to actually do maybe more meaningful things, or things that bring really change in our communities, like community gatherings, communal, uh, communal care, which take time, but now we don't have it because we're in this cycle. Absolutely. It sounds like, would you say um, sort of the difference in the def def definition of like financial wealth versus being rich is uh, rich is only attached to the sense of the, the amount of money you have. Um, and again, it doesn't address also the debt that's there and that you're trying to pay off. Whereas with financial wealth is, is being able to create, to reduce that debt so you can free up your time and um, free up um, free up your time and increase your fi yeah financial wealth so that you can have freedom to do those those projects that you're passionate about or or spend time with your family and all those things are very important to you. Would you say that's probably a, an accurate description? Awesome. And then now you know that's a clear link to anxiety because we all know that too much of one thing is not going to be healthy for our bodies. Mm -hmm. And then not just that, like where does even anxiety come from? Does it come from fear? Does it come from feeling like we're out of control? Mm -hmm. Maybe. 
And those are all things that happen, you know, as a result of also feeling like we don't have control of our personal finances, of our future and where things are going. And so it is interesting for me that the idea that is sold to us of you know, living here is that we're going to get a job. We're going to be so happy. We're going to, you know, be with our families. But the real life that most people are, are living is actually quite much more scarier. It became very apparent, I think, with this COVID-19 crisis, because when people were laid off, they really realized, like, we don't even have an emergency fund. Like, mm -hmm. we have the proper insurance so that if something happens to me, my family is well protected. Or I don't even have a will in place. So legally, everything I work for stays within my family instead of going maybe towards the government. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's not even a matter of being revolutionary. I think it's just a matter of where our priorities are and where we've pushed as a, as a society, where we've been pushed maybe to a corner where this is a life we know, but it doesn't necessarily is the only way of living. That's a very elegant way to, to put that. I, I'm, I'm processing everything you said, especially um, like, you, like you mentioned that fear and like anxiety is connected to our fear and worrying over something. And usually we worry about things in the future. And so, especially when it comes to our financial wealth and our financial well-being, um, when we work every day to, to be able to reduce our debt and to create that, it is amazing to see um, how, um, as you said, it can create more worry as, as debt accumulates or as we our lifestyles change. And so, it's amazing, I think, what you're, what you offer um, with the financial literacy campaign and the work that you do to be able to help people prioritize um, and see what's important and how can you guys, and how can you help create that for them by reducing their debt, by freeing up more time, by making. Um, I know we've talked about this before, making the money work as hard as they're working. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you for when you summarize everything, it just sounds so well, so organized, like you're clearly getting the points. I'm so excited. Thank you. Um, I did have like a list of, um, of some questions. I just want to make sure there's so you have so much uh, to share and offers. I want to make sure um, I'm asking everything that I can so um, everyone watching can get as much value. And also, we just wanted to say um, before I continue that if you have any questions for Jamila, please put them in the chat. We are keeping um, our eyes on it. Hi, Shoya. Um, and we'll, uh, Jamila would be happy to answer any questions that you have. We'll do that at the end um, of uh, the interview process. Well, I'll just ask Jamila a few more questions. And um, at the end of the, our interview as well, um, we'll let you know how you can uh, contact Jamila if you have any questions on um, financial literacy and how to reduce your debt and make your money work as hard as you are and create the wealth that you want in life so you can have the freedom to do, uh, to take care of your family, to do the projects you're passionate about, to, to have that freedom um, for what you feel so called to do here. Awesome. Um, I would love to get a little bit more deeper. Um, I think you shared it quite beautifully and I want um, right at the beginning of the call, I'd just love to get a little bit deeper into your journey of becoming a financial advisor. Um, when, what was uh, the, you, you were talking about how after you graduated um, and it sounded like the epiphany came there shortly after you had graduated where you realized that you wanted to go into the direction of financial literacy and becoming an advisor. Could you speak more to that epiphany you had? Yeah, absolutely. So when I graduated, uh, the first thing I think in my co-ops, 
before I even graduated, I actually joined the co-op program. And I did jobs not necessarily purely in bio because I wanted to learn in areas that I just didn't have a lot of experience. So I really went into education. I did a lot of work in hands-on STEM education, youth programming. I also did work in research, did in marketing as well as working for the university. And so I had different things that I had tried and of everything, what I had loved the most was education and not just education. I believe like, you know, a lot of people ask like, what is the specific thing you want to do? I knew that what I wanted to do had to do with helping people. And so there's so many things that fall under that category. Like I could have even been a doctor as long as I'm helping people, it'd be fine. So I think, you know, take out the pressure of being one specific thing to begin with. But it just went in that I was working for a beautiful non-for-profit organization that I absolutely love and I love their mission and vision. But when it came to my personal finances, I was actually falling in debt because even though I was a coordinator, I just wasn't really taking care of my personal finances. I was like, you know, I had bought a car and I was going to work and things that seemed very trivial and simple were like, oh, it's just, you know, I wanted to buy my mom a gift, but that meant actually getting in debt because I couldn't pay it with my monthly paycheck. So I was literally living paycheck to paycheck, which in fact, a lot of people do. And again, I don't even, you know, there's statistics that show us how many, but about now 54% of Canadians are only $200 away of being in debt because mm-hmm. every month when they get their paycheck, there's only that little bit of room that they can keep in case there's an emergency. And even then people don't have the habit of saving it. They, they spend it. So an emergency comes and it's like, well, you get in debt right away. An emergency like what? You know, your car breaks down. Like my car, I find out I have to change the oil quite often and all these things I didn't plan or gas being so expensive. And so I actually have always been entrepreneurial as well. And I think entrepreneurship, it doesn't even come with me saying, oh, I'm a business owner. It just came from the fact that I was naturally also inclined towards not being afraid to try things out, to not being afraid of like even going to a different field. And that's something that, you know, you don't need to be a business owner to be an entrepreneur. It really more, it has to do more with your mindset and how you approach situations and problems. And so when my problem was like, I'm not making enough money. Well, it was like you either get another job. So, or maybe I start a business on the side where over the long term is going to generate me more income and hence I can buy back my time. So here's the difference in mentality because it was so easy for me to actually choose a job first because I am taught that that's what I'm aiming for. You see, I go to university so I can get a good job. We are literally from the way we're going through, you know, if you did bio, if you did anything like programming, you're just literally following step by step. But how often do you actually write those steps? I guess if you're coding, you're writing your own steps. <laughs> so let's exclude that one. But we're not taught to think uh, of, uh, of something greater than that. You see, I was talking to a friend and she said, when we're in university, uh, we make an app so that we can get a grade, not so we can create something that's going to maybe revolutionize the industry or that's going to turn into a business and that can bring us profit. But again, it just leads to being an employer. And when you're an, sorry, an employee, and when you're an employee, you get paid by the position, not by the person. So it doesn't matter if at the same position, I'm doing way much more work than somebody else, or if my circumstances make it more difficult for me to even make it to work in certain days, because at the end of the day, I'm going to get paid the same. And Absolutely. so 
that that was a big like realization for me where it was like well even if i get paid a little bit at first i'm just going to start with something that can help me make more income and i was actually interviewing people i started interviewing people and asking interview you know my dental hygienist literally i was leaning towards that it was like an eight month program and i was like yo in like 40 years i can make 50 dollars an hour that looks better than bio right now so Basically, this led me also to the other realization. You see, I can love something. I can love learning about biology and I can love working with animals and stuff. But doesn't mean I have to make money off it. Mm-hmm. It just means that it can be a passion for me. But can I look at areas where there's a need, an actual need that, you know, there's a guarantee that if I get into this area, I will be financially free and I can put my own twist and I can do it my own way. Now, there came the next challenge. Working for an institution wasn't really going to leave me with the option of me bringing my own twist, of me, you know, maybe creating things the way I wanted to see them. So business ownership was the only solution. So in my interviews, the only people who had a life similar to what I wanted were people in the financial industry. And so, you know, they had and their values, you know, they were spending time with their family. They were doing so many things and i was like well how do you do that and they literally laid down a business plan that i could follow and i said oh so you mean i need to get licensed in the province so i can be uh in the financial industry however i don't really like selling or what my idea was of selling because i also learned we're always constantly selling ourselves like when i wrote a resume or a cover letter i'm literally selling myself to that employer so it's just about how we see it So I just, you know, started going through this blueprint and process that I needed to follow to work in the industry and more specifically in a way that I felt comfortable. And how was that? It actually became, um, you know, it came to my attention. I found this beautiful organization that was, or that is a social enterprise. And they have a combination of a nonprofit model together with a profitable business model. And what I learned from them is that, you know what, if we approach it really with a model of servitude, of serving the community, of educating and really, you know, bringing good to the community, only good is going to come back. Mm-hmm. And that's when I joined the financial literacy campaign. And I said, I also want to advocate for financial literacy. So I joined a group of people. Some of them are advisors, some of them are not. And they're all part of this huge community where our main focus is personal development, financial education, entrepreneurship, and really solidarity among different communities, among different cultures, understanding that we all Financial literacy is like the first step in us gaining our financial freedom. That's that's the whole backstory. Beautiful. Oh, so many incredible milestones and so much um, from what you've shared, like um, hitting all of these very important value systems within you, like, like you said about that that impact you're creating to help others so that they can also help serve the the world in their way um and and um um by by freeing up your financial um debt and freeing up and um, being able to give those needs that's oh wow i'm that i am just absorbing everything you've shared that is incredible um I had a couple questions even within there and I've already, I think you're just so beautiful at telling your story. I'm like, wow, you've, you've, you've freed up all those questions for me. Um, uh, I w- you were talking about um, also uh, the conflict of um, when you start when, well, first of all, I just want to say, I think what you shared about 
um, that ability to see like it doesn't matter what type of job I do it needs um, it's important about the impact that you're going to create and I, and I love that you said um, you talked about entrepreneurship and uh, the word entrepreneur comes from to problem solve and and I feel like the work that you're doing um, especially for financial literacy is problem solving helping people um, solve the problems of what's holding um, them back from creating the wealth that they need so that they can serve other people and have a bigger impact. And, and, and as you said, like that is again, like it's already reinforced in the organization and in the work that you're doing, you are, um, creating that within there as well. And I think that's really inspiring and really incredible. You also talked about, I thought it was really powerful, um, what you shared too, um, this idea of selling and, and how um, really it's serving people, and and as you said, to um, when um, when when we write a resume and we we present that to employer, it's not it's not that we're we're all we're selling ourselves. We're telling our story of our here's um, what I have done. Here is what I'm passionate about. Here is how I want to serve and help people. Here's how I think I can do this for your your company. I think in in my opinion, I think. When, um, when you do the work that you do, and you can sell yourself to well enough so that people understand that it is coming from the place of being able to serve as many people as possible, then you change the whole world. And I am so so inspired and so grateful that you are um, overcoming um, all those any obstacles and shifting um, and growing your pr perspectives to be able to be uh, to be able to help all the people that you do. Uh, I want to ask more like what um, were there any other as as soon as you made that decision um, and as you said amazing that you interviewed so many people and we're like okay like what a beautiful process to go like I'm going to interview all these people and I'm going to see which is in most alignment with my values and my goals and 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 it's led you to the work that you do now um so 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 amazing um so when you when you got that realization of okay financial literacy is the way I want to go I want to I want to know like what were some other obstacles um that came up for you in in making um was it through getting your license or doing the work that you do and and how have you ever overcome them to the achievements and the transformation that you've received now? So that's that's a pretty good question. So actually, you know, getting a license is as easy as studying. If I can study for a bio exam and pass it, I can pass my licensing exam. And so it's literally something that anybody can do with the support. But my challenges came more with working with my community because I'm very much, you know, I'm in the black community and in the indigenous community, newcomer community. And what I realized through the process is that the moment I approach somebody talking to them about like, hey, we need to learn how money works. Usually it takes a great, maybe a great negative experience or a great struggle for people to realize that they need to do that. That it's not necessarily like, you know what, it's not a privilege. It's like you need to. It'd be a privilege if you come from, a, and I've met people like that where literally it is a privilege. You get to learn because your parents, if you want to, but maybe your parents still manage your money and maybe you come from a wealthy family where uh, you're again like because of weights things have been worked out you already have plans in place you already have your protection that you need your family is secure if there's any emergency but for most people which is actually most of of canadians somehow their relationship with money and with financial institutions is so messed up and in a way that continues to benefit people who do have it said the right way. 
it's interesting. It's like, you know, somebody, you know, a lot of people argue, oh, how do we eradicate poverty? And they say, well, give money to everybody who is at the bottom, give money to the poor people. And I used to think that way, like, why don't we just give money to, to the people who are struggling the most? But then I realized after looking at what are those spending habits that the people have, it didn't matter whether you give them money or not, whatever cash flow they had was always going to end up going back to the same people who gave them the money. Right. Which happens right. to be maybe like the business owners or, or the owners of like the even bigger corporations because our financial habits were so ingrained with even how we grew up with our relationship. And it's like people are living in this mist. And so my challenge came from asking myself, and I'm still going through this, it's how do I work with communities that have been so harmed, maybe by even the same system, mm -hmm. and where they have a good relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And then even this bad relationship leads them to being in that same cycle of misinformation, of other organizations taking advantage of them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've been called like, oh, you support capitalism. It's like, well, are you a communist? Are you a socialist? And then they're like, no, no. It's like, we live in a capitalist society. Um, however, if you take out the people from the corporations, is the corporation going to run on its own? No, it needs people. But what if you change the people that run those corporations? What if you change the value that they operate on? Mm -hmm. And so it was more about, you know, and even then, regardless, people were still supporting those corporations. So it, it's a really a lot of conflict within the community itself. That yeah. I think. And so, for example, a lot of anti-corporation, anti anti-capitalism believe when people don't even understand how corporations and their own work, it's like, you know, somebody might hate a company, but you got to realize that company is run by people who maybe set of values are the ones who are making those decisions. And wow. so we push for that to be dismantled and changed. Yeah. Like, it's, it's uh, just the same. Yes. I just want to um, take a moment, um, pause right there for a second. Like, just uh, just very incredible. I, I, think, uh, I think what you're saying to come back to remember that we're we're humans and we're in, and we're in, and we all um have so I'm, I'm so i'm so overwhelmed by by what you said i think you're absolutely right like when there's it's sometimes i think easy for us to look at a corporation or an entity and and um and almost too easily put a lot of projections of negativity or um hate or or um disagreement to it. and you know um those can be valid for individuals and, and how, and those are people's opinions. But I think you're absolutely bringing up a very important point that within those entities and corporations, it, it comes down to people. People are people and, and deserve to be educated, to, to deserve to have the resources and deserve to learn how they can best, um, uh, like you said, um, with this, when systems say, here's how we should do things, um, it's, it's so great especially like when it comes to the way we save our money or the way we spend our money. It's great that um, there's organizations uh, like yours and the work that you're doing that can come and say, well, is this the best thing that works for you? Let's see, let's, let's excavate that and examine that. Um, it kind of reminds me, maybe this is a bit simplified, but it reminds me of what my mom would say about, um, it is better to teach someone to learn how to fish than to give them the fish. And I think that's um, a lot of uh, what I believe you're, you're saying, oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, 
I think you we've gone through all the questions that I had for you, Jamila. Is there anything else that you want to say? And I'm going to leave uh, the chat still open if anybody has any questions for you. Um, yeah. yeah. I can tell you, like, we can continue the conversation for a bit. And anybody feel free to ask us questions. Something that I had actually searched and I wanted to share because we are talking about anxiety as well is, you know, I was actually looking at some stats right before this. And uh, one of the stats that to me was alarming, I always like to, I don't always like to bring this up, but I said, but one of those things that really scared me, retirees worldwide will outlive their savings by a decade and women will fare worse. And this was a report that came out from the World Economic Forum and they were actually comparing the economy in huge countries like you got Japan, Canada, Australia, the UK, United States, and in all of this as well, uh, usually for various reasons, there's always women who fare worse financially. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's cases where because men tend to live long, uh, shorter than their wives or their partners tend to be left without any care. If you put like, I'm just speaking about women and men because usually they just focus reports on that. But if you go to maybe a community that might be even more affected by certain issues, like go maybe to the black community, to an indigenous community, the LGBTQ community. And so if women are affected that way, then what about those communities? And then when we say about retirement, I always like to bring it up. It's like some people say, oh, I'll work through my retirement. But realistically, we also got to look at how even our current lifestyle is linked to our health. Like if we continue living, you know, anxiety and stress, they end up producing more, leading to more stress hormones. You sleep less your life expectancy literally deteriorates. And that is, again, it's a self-destructive cycle. Now, is money a part of this? Well, look at divorces. What percentage of divorces are because of financial, financial problems within a family? And so when it comes to money and well-being, there are so many things that are tied together. And uh, I just always like to bring it because I feel maybe we don't make those connections or maybe we feel like, because of, of money, actually, you know, money on its own, I like to say it's not bad, is when people seek that as a means of power and they put other people down so that they can gain that power. That's the challenge. Absolutely. I think, and uh, following with that thought, it, it can, like you said, it money could is a sense of, is a source of good as well, because if you are taking that and putting that towards creating an impact, creating a change, the world is better for that. Thank you for sharing those statistics and yeah, bringing a bit more information on on the importance of having financial literacy, uh, not only just to reduce anxiety, but to be able to create that the freedom that we all are working towards. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and I think I haven't seen any questions. So um, how can people contact you? And just to clarify too, like you can um, you can help anyone in Canada and in the US, right? Yeah, we're working both in Canada and the U.S. And if it's not me, then it can be like one of my partners, for example, that we're working in the same group as well. So even if somebody is in Toronto or Ottawa, I can absolutely do a financial plan for them, especially now that we're all connecting online. And then in terms of, you know, understanding what do people need. But what I always invite anybody is, can you participate in our workshops, which are offered completely for free? And can you sit down? Can you take notes? Can you learn? Because at the end of the day, it's like we have to choose between Netflix and watching a workshop that can potentially lead you to financial freedom. What will you pick? And so 
now more than ever too, I think also, because also our generation, we haven't lived through a recession like what we're seeing, but it's not like things are gonna get better. And we need that self-reliance. Our family needs that as well. Like if, especially if we come from a family of immigrants where our parents might even be even more disconnected than us to what's happening. I believe it, we have the responsibility for our families as mm -hmm. well and to bring this to the community. So we do have free workshops that are offered online. There's even one today at 5 p.m. BC time. And it's all about building a solid financial foundation. That's an example there. They happen every day of the week, different languages, English, Spanish. You have them in Korean, in Mandarin. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ones. Tagalog, like we have so many people in the community who believe in this too. And so feel free to send me a direct message on Facebook or send me an email. You can find me, like this video is gonna be available there. So if you comment, I'm gonna be there. And just let me know, I'll send you a link so you can register for one, you can watch it, ask me questions. But you know, even having this conversation is already a huge step because we're breaking down that stigma that maybe talking about money is only for men. Maybe, you know, talking about money or business is, is like it's only meant to be done in the bank, but it's not. We need to understand what, what are our, you know, what rights do we have? What can we do? And we need to be those people making those decisions for our families. We can't leave it for an institution who doesn't know maybe what we value, you know, mm. making those decisions themselves. That's Perfect. Thank you so much for um, sharing and putting that all together. Um, so what I'll do is make sure that people have access to perhaps your Facebook, um, personal Facebook page and your email um, after this video. I'll put it in the captions. Uh, Jamila, I just want to thank you so much again for taking the time to to uh, share the work that you're doing and 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 helping so many, so many people. It's been such a it's it's been a pleasure to connect with you in this way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I really appreciate you creating this space and continue doing interviews with people because I feel we need to share those voices as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. I'm going to end the live um, interview here. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And uh, please follow uh, my Facebook page as well for more interviews on how to reduce stress, anxiety, depression. And don't forget, at the end, I will um, also have in here how you can contact Jamila to um, access those free workshops. Awesome. Bye for now. Bye.